In our time together, I want to share with you, uh, and look, if you would please, Luke chapter 1. I want you to notice a couple things here. From the beginning, verse number 1, for as much, uh, verse number 1, as many have taken in hand to set forth in order the declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. He says, so I've taken on this project to write out something that is surely believed among Christians. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were, what's the next word? And ministers of the word. It seemed good to me. So he said, I interviewed a lot of eyewitnesses, even from the beginning of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and ministers of the word, verse number three. It seemed to me also, seemed good to me also, having had perfect or complete understanding of all these things, from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that they might, uh, might, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Father, please help us to study the Scripture, see some things that will trigger maybe more interest uh, in our hearts to be more faithful at studying and knowing you through your word. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you're going to know yourself, you need to know God because you and I are made in the image of God. To know God, we'll need to know Jesus because Jesus is the image of God, according to the book of Hebrews and other places in the Scriptures. To know Jesus, we would need to know His Word. The Bible is about Jesus. Christianity is about Christ. Victory in the Christian life. Some of us, we struggle just to be Christians. But the truth of the matter is, living the Christian life ought to be as easy as breathing when we have an awareness of the Christ of the Scriptures in us. I'm very thankful for that. And Christians who are victorious are word-filled Christians. They're spirit-filled Christians. The book of Luke is a great book of the Scriptures. Luke was a physician. Most believe that he... And uh, he was trained in his physician work and in the, in the town of Tarsus, which might be the reason why Apostle Paul and him uh, were cohorts. They, were, they worked together with the Lord, uh, for the Lord. Uh, I, I heard someone the other day tell me they believe that maybe uh, Luke might have been one of the converts in the city of Philippi. He, he comes into play after the city of Philippi and seems to follow on. I'm not sure exactly, and these are just these are a little bit of just uh, uh, evaluations done by, by people. But we do see that Luke, Mark, got a lot of his information about the Lord Jesus from whom? Do you remember last week? You've already forgot. You hurt my feelings on that one. How about Peter? Right, I heard several people say Peter. Mark got a lot of his information from Peter. Matthew, of course, is the first gospel, and he portrays Jesus as the king. And Mark, as, uh, as the servant, he, uh, uh, J- Peter, excuse me, Matthew writes for, with, for the Jewish audience, and he just kind of communicates for those who are Jewish. Mark for the Romans, primarily, and Luke for the Greek. Now, Luke is a very intelligent person, no doubt. He writes two books of our Bible, The longest books of our New Testament are Luke and Acts. And he says, this is his first edition, this is Luke. And he writes to a fellow named Theophilus, which means loved of God. So this Theophilus was probably a Gentile believer. 
who wanted to know more. Some believe he might have even had enough money to pay Luke uh, and support him financially while he put in print the story as he has it. Now, Luke is an investigator. You see that he says, I've got perfect knowledge. It means doesn't mean he's, he's without fault. It means, yeah, I think I have complete knowledge of everything that's happened from the beginning. And he got his information probably from two sources. One, from the actual people that were there when it happened. Number two, from Paul. Paul was an apostle born out of due time. He spent three years with the Lord Jesus in Arabia, being, being reprogrammed after being Saul, the persecutor, to Paul, the great, the great man of God he would be, become. So through Paul and through eyewitnesses, I would assume you have the most thorough information about the Lord Jesus through the book of Luke. It's a very flowing book. It's full with, and they use a lot of the same words. Luke uses a lot of the same words that Paul uses. They use the words grace, repentance, mercy, faith, forgiveness. You can see that these two guys, whether they were trained in the same school of Tarshish, I don't know. But you can tell that they definitely were on this. They had been influenced by each other. They used the same terminologies that Matthew and Mark and John would not use. But as far as a very thorough explanation of Jesus, he goes right back to the beginning. Now, of course, Luke was probably, he was, not, uh, he was not there when Elizabeth was announced by the angel that she was going to bear John the Baptist. He wasn't there in the, in the temple when Zacharias was told that he was going to have a son named John. And he wasn't there when Mary received the, the words from uh, the angel that she was going to bear the Christ child. But it looks like to me, based upon the eyewitnesses of those who were there, Luke spent a lot of time getting information from those early believers and the people that were there. I can imagine he probably found some shepherds. Matthew does not tell us much about the shepherds. Mark doesn't at all. Luke does, excuse me, John doesn't. But the shepherd story, the, the, the angels we have heard on high, that one, that's Luke. I wouldn't be surprised if he went out there and you ever heard anything like angels coming? Oh, yeah, my grandpa told me, or this person told me, or yes, I was there. Were you going down to Bethlehem? Let me tell you how it happened. I imagine he probably got a lot of information from that. I don't think God has to give him that, but he says from eyewitnesses, he observed some information. And man, the Lord has given him a thorough uh, explanation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has more to say about people, more to say about parables in his, in his writing. He uh, writes to the Greeks, and he is also uh, gives a lot of information about details that you would not normally have just in a generic book. Mark is very plain Jane, straightway, this one. That, and of course, all Scripture is given by inspiration of Scripture, but it's pretty neat how that God uses different people and gifts them. And by the way, can I just say parenthetically, God has gifted you, sir, and you, ma'am, in a unique way. And the happiest Christians are people that find out what God wants them to do, and they do it. Don't compare yourself among yourselves. That's not wise. But find out, what has God made me good at? And I'm going to try to do the very best I can to operate in my strengths and appreciate those who have different strengths than I do. Let God help you. And Luke, he didn't, uh, of course, he didn't. He traveled with the Apostle Paul. You can see him when Paul writes his last letter of 2 Corinthians. He says, or 2 uh, Timothy, he says, I, I've already been to court one time. 
And uh, he said, the Lord delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. And my first answer, my first time to go to court, no one stood with me. But the Lord stood with me. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. And he, he writes and says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And this person's over here. And Titus to Dalmatian. He said, only Luke is with me. I'm sure Paul said, Luke probably said, oh, come on, Paul, give me a break. I'm, what am I, a chopped liver? <laughs> you know, uh, only I'm here with you, you know. And he said, no other person's with you. I'm here. I'm trying to help you. But he was a physician. And God used him in a wonderful way. When you read the book of Acts, you can thank God for how he used Luke. When you read the book of Luke, you can thank God for how he used Dr. Luke. Here are a couple things I want to give to you. And then we see in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 1, we see the background. And then he'll go into the early life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The little story about Jesus being left in Jerusalem. Only Luke gives us that story. And about how Jesus is 12 years old. He's sitting with the rulers in the synagogue and the temple asking him questions and responding to that. Luke gives us that information. He tells us a little about his early life. More is told about his early life than any other of the gospel witnesses that God gave us. Another key verse is found in chapter 19 and verse number 10. I want you to underline that, if you would please, and just make note of it, and then we'll come back with just a few information, and we'll, be, we'll, we'll conclude tonight. Luke 19, verse number 10, I think would be called uh, the, the, probably the key verse of the whole book. And let's read it together, can we please? And of course, this is, this is when uh, Jesus um, saves Zach Zacchaeus. In chapter 18, he said, for a rich man to go into heaven, oh, it's just virtually impossible. And the, and, and the disciples were bothered. They said, man, how in the world? Uh, it's easier to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go into heaven. And of course, it's talking about a camel going to the eye of a needle. And I don't know exactly everything. But it, when we were in Israel, we got to see an example. They have these big gates that go into, into a city. And, uh, but they, they mostly keep those big gates down. But they have a small door that goes in there. And they sometimes call it the eye of a needle. And uh, a man, I, I had the duck to get underneath it, but uh, other fellows would not have to do that, little, little short fellows out there. Uh, but I had the duck to get in there. But the average guy, but if you want a camel in, a camel would have to get on his knees, and they would have to unload his, his back. They'd take all of his stuff off, and he got on his knees, he could pull him through there. It's interesting, for a rich man... To go to heaven, they usually will have to humble themselves. And they'll have to care more about their sin than their burden of their possessions. And have to be able to do it. Remember the one guy who said to the Lord Jesus that, um, he said, I've kept all these things from He goes, well, fine, that's wonderful. Go sell all you have and give to the poor and take your cross and follow me. And he went away, how? Sorrowful. Why? He wasn't willing to unload the possessions. Because he had great possessions. He said, that's how, in chapter 18, he said, man, it's, uh, for a rich man, it's very rare for them to be converted. And he, they said, well, who can be saved? And he said, with God, nothing's impossible. And in chapter 19, he, he saves Zacchaeus, who is a wealthy man in Jericho. And he shows that God can do anything. And then he concludes that story with verse number 10. Read it with me. For the Son of Man. All right, let's read it again. For the Son of Man. And that is the purpose of the Gospel of Luke, is to remind us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. With that in mind, here's a couple things. The outline of the book, number one, the events of the Savior's coming. 
And uh, you see his genealogy, his birth, his childhood, his baptism, and the temptation of Satan is found in Luke. It's also found in, uh, in Matthew especially as well. So you see the events of his first coming, chapters 1 through 4. Chapter 4, verse 14 through verse 21 is the events of the Savior's career. John Phillips gave this outline, and I'm just kind of putting it down where he, what he did. But you see the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, his parables, and his enemies. Luke gives a lot of attention to the enemies that he is. Now, once again, Jesus is portrayed in Matthew as the what? King. In Mark, as the servant. In John, as God. And in Luke, as the man. Now, once again, the Greeks obviously had a lot of interest in men. Matter of fact, they would worship men. You know, they would, their gods were oftentimes Hercules, you know, a man-like person or things of that nature. But he's, he was portrayed as the perfect man in the book of Luke. And I'm so thankful for that, and he, he, he communicates that. But he's also severely criticized uh, the, 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 uh, the, from, from the sophisticated. They got upset with him because they felt like he ate without washing his hands. When he ate with Zacchaeus and his, excuse, Zacchaeus and his friends, they criticized him because he ate with publicans and sinners. Uh, they, sophistic, they tried to uh, capture him legally by asking lawyers to come against him. Luke gives about, about 10 different ways in which he was attacked continually. You think you got pressure. Jesus carried great pressure of antagonistic enemies continually. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. There's an open door, an effectual open door, but there are many what? Adversaries. Many folks are trying. And Jesus had that. So when you find, you know, it's really hard to build my bus route. It's really hard to, to, to build this Sunday school class. Boy, soul winning has really been kind of difficult today in Chicago or in northwest Indiana or over here. It's difficulty. Join the world of Jesus while he was here. Boy, people are unkind. Join the world of Jesus. They don't reject you. They reject him. And in this world, it's not going to be a walk in the park. But we see much of his early life is recorded by Luke. And then the events of Savior's career. And then in chapter 22 begins the events of the Savior's cross. So the coming, the career of Jesus, and then the cross in the last uh, um, Two, two, see, 22, 23, and 24. Also, Luke gives more information about the resurrection probably than the others as well, FYI, on that situation. Themes of Luke. I want to just give you just a couple things here real quickly. Number one, prayer is mentioned in 13 passages. If you're a man, what do you need to learn? If you're a woman, what do you need to learn? That means there's, if there's men in God, who is, who is all-powerful? God. How much control do you really have about your life, your future, your health? How much control do you have? You know what really makes us pray? When we're out of control. When we can't fix the problem. If you were called to the emergency room tonight for your child, for your spouse, for your mom, your dad, and, and the doctor said, there's just not much I can do. You know what you would instantly start doing? Praying. Because men ought always to and not to think. Guess what book of the Bible that's in? Luke. <laughs> Luke 18. He said, he said I, I want to emphasize prayer. You see it in the book of Luke. Number two theme is the Holy Spirit. He's mentioned seven different passages. 
in uh, the book of Luke. Luke especially uh, speaks of the Holy Spirit. And John, of course, would probably do more than that when Jesus talks about the Comforter. But Luke does emphasize that. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is mentioned seven in seven passages. So prayer, the Holy Spirit, and forgiveness. And then finances or money is mentioned in at least ten passages. You'll find many references to money and the parables and things of that nature in the book of Luke. And then I would say this, and so let's, let's rehearse those. Prayer, the Holy Spirit, forgiveness, money, and that is 13, 7, 7, and 10 different passages, finances mentioned. Luke gave a special attention to women, to children, and to the poor are mentioned most often by Luke. Luke definitely has a heart for the poor, for the women who, are, who need help, and you see that oftentimes in the book of Luke. And then here's a couple lessons to learn. And, and, and Luke kind of tells us about the words of Jesus, the walk of Jesus, the way of Jesus, the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, and his will. And I tell you, friend, really, when people look at you, they need to be able to see your works, hear your words. You and I are reflections of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot get into this thing that we think that I can do whatever I want. This is my life. I can say what I want to say. Really, you and I are supposed to be good mirrors of Jesus. And Luke, when he's, when he's writing about Jesus, he talks about his words. He talks about his, his, his way, his wisdom, his works. He speaks about his will and yielding his will to, to the Lord and to those that he needs to work with. And boy, that's, those are things that we ought to do as well. Look at the, the, the couple of the lessons, and we'll conclude tonight. Let's look at these verses if we can. Learn from the example of Jesus regarding being determined to fulfill God's plan for your life. And we look at these three verses real quickly. Let's begin at chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse number 49. 2.49, can you read it out loud with me? We're in chapter 2, and verse number 49. And Jesus responds to his mother with these words whenever they couldn't find him. Verse 49, and he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? For a 12-year-old, that's a lot of determination, isn't it? That's a lot of purpose. He said, Mom, wouldn't you know I would be on the soccer field? Wouldn't be playing a video game? I'm not going to be playing with my, my colleagues as much. Mom, you know why I'm here, right? I'm here to do the business of my father. I'm here to fulfill what he brought me on the planet to do. Would to God that that would be, and there isn't nothing wrong with being on a soccer field or a basketball court occasionally or occasionally playing a video game. You've got to watch those video games because they're very addictive and they waste a lot of time and they, they, they're almost like uh, the modern-day crack cocaine. They just take you out of your reality for a little bit and it causes all kinds of damage. Don't do that. And I'm saying, so the teenager army here, I'm talking to adults, <laughs> Okay. Uh, be very careful. You spend more time on Facebook or Candy Crush and all these things. We just kind of find ourselves in a big game when we ought to be glued into reality. But he says, don't you know, Mom, I would be about my father's business of determination to do what God put him on the planet to do. With the God, we did that. Look at another one real quickly, chapter 9, verse 51. Chapter 9, verse 51. Are you there? 9, verse 51. 
Let's see, this is the Lord Jesus, the rejection of the Samaritans come, and then uh, he, he says in verse 51, let's read it together, you ready? And it came to pass when the time was come, he steadfastly set his what? To where? That's where he was going to die. He said, you know what? I came to die. I came to seek and to save that which is lost, so that is what I'm going to do. We see the passion of Lord Jesus. Son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. So we need to learn from the passion and the determination of Jesus to do what God wants to do. The last statement there is God gives strength through times and seasons of prayer. Would you look at the last one? And once again, prayer is a major focus. Prayer changes things. It changes you. When couples learn to pray through their problems, when you, when you get beside your bed with your children and they're going through a difficult time. Pray with them. Pray for your teachers of your kids. What a pray that God would help us with, our, with winning people to Christ. Prayer is a big thing. And the Lord Jesus prayed. Let's look at this, this place where he prayed. Chapter 22, verses 39 through 43. 22, 39, the Bible said, And he came out and went out, and excuse me, and went, and as he was wont, he went to the Mount of Olives, where he often would go, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. How many have temptation issues from time to time? What do you think God's plan is to deal with temptation? Prayer. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and he kneeled down and prayed. Who is this that did this? Does Jesus need to do it? Does John need to do it? Do you need to do it? Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Do we have to be separated? This pain of separation. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then the Bible tells us in verse 43, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven. And what did the angel do? What can we do to get God strengthening us? Pray. Make prayer. You, ever, you wonder how it's so hard to pray? It shouldn't be that difficult. God invites us to prayer, call unto me, I'll answer thee. May not always to pray and not to faint. Yes, one of our biggest battles. We got prayerless dads, prayerless pastors, prayerless staff, prayerless deacons, prayerless moms, prayerless grandmas, prayerless children. Just don't pray. We got time to do everything else under the sun. But prayer is a place where God gives strength to. And I pray that God will help us with that tonight.